So you're a dentist, eh? You're in the right place. This is the Canadian Dentist Podcast with Dr. Carlo Biasucci, where you'll get a truly Canadian approach to building a low-stress, highly profitable practice and live life on your terms. Learn more at TheElitePractice.com. Hey everyone, Dr. Carlo Biasucci here. Welcome to the Week in Wisdom. I'm excited for this one. This is going to be about leadership and dentistry. It's leadership in general, but I want to apply it to dentistry specifically, obviously for those who are listening. And I think you're going to find this really interesting. So there's going to be two parts to this. This is part one. And in this part, we're going to talk about some things that I've found uh, externally. Some of you guys have sent me and some are things that I've just you know been studying on my own. And in part two, I'm going to give you my version. So let's get into it. The first thing is an article um, from Inc. And this is Google's five-step formula for success is a masterclass in emotional intelligence. So the link is at the bottom. And this was sent to me by Dr. Ho. Thanks for sending this to me. And let's dig into this. So I'm going to give you this article slide by slide. And let's relate it back to what we teach in our program. Because one of the things is you can read these kind of articles and you can get lots of great uh, information out of it. But how do I apply this? How do I take this back and immediately use it? Well, I'm going to show you how you've already learned a lot of this. It's just maybe seeing it in a different light. So here's the five-step formula for success. So what they did was they studied 180 teams, yada, 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 you could read it all. But in the end, they concluded that successful teams shared five traits. First was psychological safety. Second, dependability, structure and clarity, meaning, and impact. This should start to sound familiar, okay? Now, each of these traits is related to emotional intelligence, the ability to identify, understand, and manage emotions, okay? Think energy, right? I keep talking about this. I've talked about it many, many times. This is managing energy, managing the state of the people in your team, okay? This is exactly what we've been talking about. So let's talk about psychological safety. Google's definition is psychological safety is when team members feel safe to take risks and be vulnerable in front of one another. Okay, very simple. I can do something that's maybe a little out of my comfort zone and no one's going to make fun of me or pick on me or whatever for, you know, however that turns out. Okay, so people will be more apt to take on new challenges and more apt to take risks. So how you do it, this is by their definition, this is right out of the article now. Team leads should regularly admit mistakes and share when they've learned from them. Team members will follow, right? Lead by example. So my team knows I'm almost never wrong, <laughs> but when I am, I will say, hey, I was wrong about that. And if they were right and I was wrong and you were right about that and my mistake, you know, I should have you know, we should have looked at this differently. I should have taken your advice and whatever. I have no problem being wrong. And that creates trust. It creates that level of psychological safety. All right. So it's okay to make mistakes. What you don't want is that everything you do is perfect, whether it's actually right or wrong. And then the rest of the team is judged by right or wrong. So you can't have one person who can do no wrong and the rest of the team you know, is, is beat up as a result of it, right? So that's to be very carefully managed. So some things that you can do according to Google. Arrange for a, lunch, a team lunch or coffee break. Talk about your lives outside of work. Um, 
So I always recommend when you look at our team engagement section, team, team members getting to spend time together, getting to get to know each other. Like it's okay to talk about who you are and what you do. And I even encourage this, um, you know, for dentists with their patient base, it's okay to talk about the fact that you have a life that, you know, you don't have to hide it and have some like persona in the office. The more real you are, the more people can relate to you, the more they let their guard down. This applies for team members, for the owner, for everybody. And praise generously, but also set ground rules for respectful and candid feedback. So our team development interviews, the TDIs, right, that we teach in the hiring section, that's how you set ground rules for respectful feedback. That's an easy way to start it, okay? And gen praise generously, Find people doing things right. If you can have a three to one positive feedback for to corrective feedback, you will have a good relationship with people. So three compliments to one correction, people aren't going to get uh, sidetracked with the correction. If all you do is find the issues and the only communication you have with people is the corrections, then they're going to feel defeated and they're going to stop trying. Okay. So you're looking for a healthy three to one positive to corrective feedback. So the second step they said was dependability, which means to Google team members get things done on time and meet Google's high bar for excellence. Well, we like that. So how do we do it? Team leaders must set the example. Surprise, surprise. Like everything else, when it comes to deadlines, people follow the leader. Okay. So your team leader cannot be the one who's basically dragging butt. We need to be leading. We need to be, they need to be looking at the team leader saying, wow, okay, if I just do what they do, then I'm going to be in good shape, which should be true. Okay. So lead by example. Now I will tell you that this goes for the owner too. If you're in the office and you're trying to set the example, you're trying to instill a culture and you don't live it, you don't believe the core values, then you're in trouble. Now make it clear that if someone can't reach a deadline, they should communicate that and get help and reward this behavior and give as much help as possible or practical. Hey, this should sound familiar. I talk about this in uh, the culture section, right? If you can't meet a deadline, renegotiate the deadline. Don't just not do it. Then meet as often as necessary to achieve good quality and meet deadlines. Very simple. If there's a problem, you may need to increase how frequently you meet. So I recommend the weekly uh, team training session, the weekly team leader meeting, and then a department meeting weekly individually. So very, very simply how you set this up. So we talk about you guys, and most of you guys are running a 90-minute weekly team training going through the material, right? Going through the modules. That's a separate thing. That's training. After your huddle, your team leads could have a breakout by department. So one day a week, maybe a half an hour, you could do admin on their own, assistance on their own, hygiene on their own, and work through anything that you're trying to implement. Or use that time to train a little bit or go through some component that's directly relative uh, relevant for their department. And that will help move them along. That's one way to do it. Okay, so that's, that's an option. Uh, if you want to incorporate that into your monthly meeting, then so be it. But just have some time so that 
the individual teams can spend some time together. And we found it enough to just do it after the morning huddle. So, you know, we have a morning huddle. We'd have 15 minutes before the first patient was due to be in the chair. So after the huddle, the teams would just break off and spend 10 minutes doing whatever they wanted to do every morning. And they would be in good shape for that. And once a week, they would have a little bit more time to do some actual training or watch something specific to their department and so on. You can customize this any way you want, and this will change as time goes, whether you need it, whether you need more, whether you need less or not at all, but just have this in your mind, okay? Okay, then treat everyone as an individual. What works for one person will work for another. Therefore, adapt your approach to the person. And at the same time, hold everyone, including high performers, to the same standard. Very, very important. You do not let your high performers have one standard and the rest of the team have another standard. The high performer, and this can be tough because sometimes the high performer is, you know, really performing well at one thing and dropping the ball in a lot of others. But if they're doing that and we're sanctioning it, then the team is demoralized for it. And they won't appreciate the one good thing that the high performer does and they'll just pick on the negative and it becomes a big problem with the team. Everyone is held to the same level and everyone is treated as an individual. Now, this is why I like even individual incentives because I think that everyone is uh, really should have their own accountability to a degree. You can still have a team incentive on top of that, but I really like the individual ones and I value them much more because, you know, we know and the way I teach it from a psychology perspective is it is more valuable. Also, this applies to the appreciation at work training that we do that's in the uh, team engagement workshop. So everyone has a different method or a different type of appreciation that they respond to. So for some, it's financial. For some, it's words. For some, it's other things. And if you know your team, then you could be much more effective. Okay. So then structure and clarity. So Google says team members have clear roles, plans, and goals. Okay. They should know what they're doing. That kind of makes sense. That sounds like an accountability structure, right? Where everyone knows who's doing what and what their job is. So Google says you clearly communicate cultural norms. When do team uh, members need to be available? How quickly should they respond to emails, instant messages? Setting and reminding team members of these norms can help to achieve balance between collaboration, having time for deep work that requires special concentration or focus and other areas of life. Okay, very simply, everyone needs to know what they've got to do and who's responsible for what. This is your accountability structure. This is also paying attention to the realities of your practice. So if you want someone to make 80 outbound calls a day and they're sitting at the front desk, they might have a challenge doing that. They might need to have some time off the desk. If a person has to enter a whole stack of checks, maybe they need some time to go and focus on that in a separate area. So pay attention to what's going on in your departments. Then clearly communicate scope. Team leads need, uh, and team members must be on the same page regarding the scope of specific tasks and assignments, including how much work is involved and how much time it will take to complete. Clearly communicate appropriate t- milestones as well as long-term strategies and goals. Our delegation system is exactly this, okay? You need to be extremely clear with what is to be done, when it is to be done, how we're going to follow up on it, and so on. So the team-driven practice workshop really covers this. Uh, 
The next step was meaning. Google defines this as work is personally important to team members. So how do you do that? Team leads should be alert to team members' strengths and weaknesses. Also, team leads and team members should openly communicate about what type of work and assignments they enjoy. This allows team leaders to look for opportunities to assign meaningful work and everyone to pitch in and help with difficult or unwanted but necessary tasks. This is Colby. This is DISC, right? But specifically, it's Colby more than anything. Knowing what people's um, innate strengths are or innate um, problem-solving initiatives is it allows you to put people in the right seat on the bus. Now, it's tough to do with a small team, but it's useful to know. It is useful to know. And we talk about this in other areas, so I won't belabor it, but that's uh, Colby is an important er uh, thing to consider in this regard. And then make praise emotionally intelligent. Be generous with commendation, but make it sincere and specific. So, you know, very simply... Just paying attention and catching people doing things right, I think is really the key when it comes to praise. And again, remember three to one, positive to negative. Give emotionally intelligent feedback. Some individuals are more sensitive than others. So again, adapt your approach to the individual. Appreciation at work styles, okay? Know them for your team. To some, you'll be able to deliver criticism uh, or areas of improvement more directly. For others, you need to soften your words. This is also uh, DISC. Okay, so knowing how people like to be communicated with, that's helpful. And also knowing your style versus other people's styles, right? If you're a D and someone is an S, you don't want to go and smack them over the head with whatever you want to say. You want to get them around to seeing your way. Still, the good general rule is to treat all critical feedback as constructive feedback. Ask the other person for permission to share something you think will help them grow Share experiences when you made mistakes and benefited from making an adjustment to show that we all have blind spots and need help to readjust. So don't punch them in the face with it. Just show them, hey, you're doing this very well. I have an idea that might be helpful and tell them, okay? So you have to be careful. You have to be tactful. We don't want to lose, um, you know, get people uh, kind of on the edge for no reason. The last was impact. So Google's definition of impact is that team members think their work matters and creates change. So how do you do it? Every company department is unique, but look for opportunities to show the end result of the work. Hmm, sounds familiar. Think of our delegation structure. Paint the picture of what it looks like when it's done and what it means to have it done the way we talked about doing it, right? How important it is. This also means to me, showing people the impact of what their input into the practice does for the patient's practice team and for the community. So your wide chart is important here. How have sales impacted the company's bottom line? Did marketing um, make the sales department job easier? How are employees' positive reactions to HR's initiatives? This maybe doesn't apply as much to dental, to dental office, but it could Regardless of uh, company or department, don't simply share numbers, charts, or figures. Share real-life stories from employees and customers. Do this at your monthly meetings. Do this at your morning huddles, okay? Morning huddles are huge. What went well yesterday? Shout-outs, right? Share the great things that happened. Share patient stories. Share what went really well yesterday. What patient was thrilled about something, Right? Those are the kind of things you want to share because it makes people feel like 
I put in a solid effort yesterday and we did good as a result of it. People were happy because of what we did. All right. I've also been studying the work of Lee J. Colon, and I'm going to share some of the tidbits from what I've pulled out of one of his books, which I'm probably going to end up sharing with you guys as a, a book in the near future. So on attitude, he writes this. Life's rewards goes to the, go to those who let their actions rise above their excuses. I love that. I, I really do. That's accountability to a T. Okay. If your actions rise above your excuses, then you get stuff done. Then people see who you are by what you do. Then you have actual true accountability. A life filled with positive attitude is also filled with positive impact. Pretty self-explanatory, easier said than done. But I'm telling you, if you can keep yourself on the positive side of things, which is why I really stress the morning huddle every day and your gratitude exercises and your gratitude journal and so on, you will just have a different impact in your life. Then he says, those who give the best of themselves get the best from others. People respond to how you show up, okay? If you're the owner and you show up to give a 10 out of 10, people around you will follow you, okay? I have explained this in many other areas and many other videos, so I won't belabor it, but I can tell you this. The number one reason why I had a fairly, I won't say easy, but easier than it could have been time getting my team to follow me, to lead people, was because I truly actually cared and I was there 100% when I was in the office. That matters. A single act does make a difference. It creates a ripple effect that can be felt many miles and people away. So don't ever think that things go unnoticed. You do a positive thing for a person, you never know what will happen. And I'm just going to say this, just 99% of you guys, I already know this, that are listening to this, certainly all of our members, you already are going to do the right thing when it counts, right? If ever, and I would venture all of you listening to this. If I said, if I gave you a scenario, patient scenario, patient care scenario, and it just came down to doing the right thing, you would do it. I know you would. And you might not know that. I'll give you an example. Patient uh, needs some work done, can only afford to do part of it. You do the rest of it, takes you an extra 15 minutes, doesn't, and you don't charge you for it. I, ha- I can't tell you how many times I have done those things. And the person that you think, you know, I don't know what will come of it. I don't care. I'm not doing it because it, something might come of it. But they refer to you, many people. Or someday their situation changes and they come back and they do a ton of work or who knows what. You never know what can happen. Or if nothing else, that person goes out there and then they do something else to pay it forward to another person because that's the experience that they've had in the world. So, you know, the, the good work that you do sometimes can be multiplied many fold because you just gave someone a different opinion or a different perspective on the world. Okay. You never know what'll, what'll happen. 
So on execution, he says this, a good plan gets you in the race, but execution propels you into the winner's circle. Yeah, absolutely. So you can get into the game with a plan, but if you don't execute on the plan, you're done. It's like culture beats strategy every day. I think the saying was culture eats strategy for breakfast. So you can have a strategy, you can have a plan, but if you don't have people behind it that care that will get it done, you're done. Saying yes to one thing always means saying no to something else. So be careful how much you say yes to things that you cannot, that are beyond your capability or your capacity. It's okay sometimes to say no. Just know that the more you say yes, the less options you will have to say no and you will end up stretching yourself. Now, I personally would rather say yes to as many things as I can. And I think most of us are wired that way, but just know that. Measure what matters and manage what you measure. Well, we beat this one up pretty well in our program, so I think you get this, but what you measure grows, I'll tell you that. If you don't measure it, good luck. Whatever you pay attention to will go up, I guarantee that. And then he says a blurred vision yields diffused efforts. So if we don't know where we're going, then we're just scattering, we're just scattered. So on growth, he says, High revenue, for, uh, high revenue growth forgives many sins. So yes, when you have a solid top line, you could be sloppy, but that is not a safe place to be because if revenue drops, your sloppiness will pay, well, you'll pay for it. Then he says, growth comes when you get off the treadmill of working in the business and step into the eagle's nest of working on the business. Well, this is the core of our program, so... I won't beat that to death, but that's a team-driven practice right there. And then he says, the entrepreneur says the next deal is king, while the leader says the customer is king. And there you have it. That is the bottom line. What is in the best interest of the patient's practice team? If we don't treat the patients the way they want to be treated, if we don't find out what they want and give it to them, which is my all-time saying, then we're in trouble. Because... The next new patient is not going to necessarily solve the problem of all the existing patients walking out the back door because they're not being treated properly. On communication, he says, those who underestimate the intelligence of their employees generally overestimate their own. I really like that. That's a great saying. Your people can do more than you think and more than you give them credit for. I guarantee it. Great leaders appreciate their employees, not just their contributions. So get to know your people, appreciate who they are and what they bring to the team culture. And then he says, finally, employees who are searching for answers typically fill in the blanks with the worst case scenario. So this is underscoring the importance of communication. If your communication is weak with your employees, if I fire someone as an example, and I don't sit the team down and tell them why I had to make this difficult decision, they will start thinking, geez, I'm next. Oh my God, I'm next. Maybe, you know, I didn't do this right. Or tell them why. Tell, explain, right? Now, this is one example, but anytime that you're even kind of sure, there's a little voice in the back of your head that says, gee, I don't know if the team is going to interpret this properly then just communicate with them. Just sit them down for five minutes. Hey guys, look, I just need to explain this to you. I want to, I want to share this with you, okay? Very, very simple. So the last thing is on change. He says, live your company values before you communicate them. I really like that too. So if you don't live the values, 
then you create these core values and you communicate them to the team and then look at you and they say, yeah, right, buddy. Like, come on. That's going to be really hard to get people to follow you. You have to, you have to live those values first. They have to become who you are. And culture change is nothing more than behavior change. Very simply explained in the culture module, so I won't beat that up. But this is just very straightforward advice, okay? Save you reading 30 leadership books. I think this is just the core of leadership, okay? If you can get that down, I think you will be in great shape. I'm going to pick this up again in part two, and I'm going to give you my rules for success. I'll see you guys there. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Canadian Dentist Podcast. If you want to know how Dr. Biasucci tripled his practice in three years and cut his work week in half, request your free information kit at theelitepractice.com.